enjoy your watch. Thank you. My wife don't want to be here all night. That's her watch. Praise God. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 42. Verse number 7, Psalms chapter 42. I, um, I was downstairs praying before church tonight. And uh, there were a couple other messages that I wanted to preach. And then I come across this message, and the Lord spoke to me. And He said, I want you to preach this message. And He said, when you preach this message, He said, I want you to preach it to some people. And I'm not going to tell you who that the Lord is preaching this to, but I know personally. I know. I'm not just speaking collectively of this church tonight. But I know some people in this church tonight that the Lord wants to talk to you personally. And so I hope that all of us will open our ears to hear what the Lord has to say to us. Amen? Over and over and over in the book of Revelation, over and over in the Bible, the Bible says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit hath to say to the churches. Psalms chapter 42, verse number 7. I will say this. I feel like that there are some... I feel like that there are some young men here tonight that God wants to deal with your heart, sir. And I feel like that there are some young ladies... God would like to talk to your heart. And I feel like us old folks, if we'd listen, God would speak to us too. Now you categorize yourself. I won't do that. But I feel like that the Lord does intend for some young men and some young ladies to hear this tonight. Praise God. Chapter 42, verse number 7. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Deep calleth unto deep. And I just want to preach on that for a little while tonight. Deep calleth unto deep. But before I do that, I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly here. I think we ought to just... Show him how much we appreciate him being here. Can we do that again? Precious God, we love you and we worship you tonight. I praise your holy. I praise your holiness, God. I praise your power, God. I pray that you would anoint my mind. I need the Holy Ghost tonight, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe you for it and I thank you for it, Jesus. I give you glory. I give you honor. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated.
it sounds, this kind of sounds like a funny way to start a message. And I believe in being positive. Um, whatever that means. I believe that you need to have the right frame of mind. That's a better way of saying it, I think. I think that your mind should be in a, in a constructive mode, not a destructive mode. Now, you can be positive or negative and be in a constructive mode, but it's important that you be in a constructive mode. I've seen people that are positive all the time and they destroy things because of their positiveness. If I lie to you, regardless if it's positive or negative, I lied to you. And so that is, that is a destructive way of me saying things. But I want to say this at the outset of this message tonight. But I want you to understand something before I get into this. And, and I'm not here to debate the fact of... of of um, rein or not reincarnation, but um, but um, predestination. I'm not here to deal with that. I could deal with that. Some people get mixed up with that. But I'm not here to deal with predestination. But I want you to understand when I say this, what I'm saying as I say this, that God knew before he ever went to Calvary that not everybody was going to be saved. Now, there is a difference between him knowing that everybody is not going to be saved and him wanting everybody to be saved. The people that he knew was not going to be saved, he did want them to be saved. Maybe you understand that. For, we've been saying this since we were kids. For God so loved the world. The world. That's the Greek word cosmos. That is the whole world structure. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But should have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Amen. The gospel that we preach is not a gospel of condemnation. The gospel that we preach is a, is a gospel of salvation. Amen? Praise God. And if you're feeling condemned, it's because you're listening to the wrong message. Now, you can be convicted, but there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Um, and so... And even in First Peter, I believe it is, it says, God is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all, all should come to repentance. All of us. It is the design of God. It is the divine design of God. That is the whole architect of the plan of salvation is that there would be provision for salvation. Uh, there's a lot of doctrines that I could deal with right now. I could deal with the doctrine you hear this many, many times in the, in the day that we live in today where people say, well, Jesus paid it all. 
And that is fact. Jesus paid it all. But there is a price that you will pay for salvation also. Jesus said, What man goeth out to build a tower without first sitting down and counting the cost to see whether he have sufficient to build it? Lest after he hath started it, he cannot finish it. And others mock him and say, This man began to build a tower and was not able to finish it. What was Jesus talking about? In another place he said, Unless you deny yourself. Unless, in another place he said, Unless you hate yourself. Unless you hate your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncles, your kids. And even thine own self is what he said. Did he say it? I didn't say it. Jesus said that. You cannot be my disciple. Um, here I am in this mess now. And I don't even want to preach on this. Did Jesus mean to absolutely hate other people? I'll just fix it real quick right here. I'll come back and preach on this later. But what he really meant is that your love and your priorities in comparison to the rest of your life, your priority to him should be first. He should be prioritized over your job. He should be prioritized over your family. He should be priority over, over your social status. He should be priority over your education. I want to tell you something. You didn't get an education if you left God out. Because the Bible says all knowledge comes from God. All you got was the knowledge of this world. There's two kinds of knowledge in this world. There's the knowledge of God and there's the knowledge of men. The knowledge of men is darkness. It will lead to destruction in your life. God and so and so when we see that this and I'm dealing with a whole cosmos here God is not willing for any of us to perish but I want to make this statement again the Lord knew as he gave his life at Calvary that not everybody was going to be saved how do I know this because as an act of mercy the Lord tried as much as he could to discourage anybody that was not really wanting to follow him from hearing the real truths of this gospel. Now that was an act of mercy. Because the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And we are judged by what we know and how we respond to what we know. And Isaiah prophesied, and I see I'm losing some of you. Come on. You need more than milk. Get your nose in the book. The Bible is more than something that you read to your kid before they go to bed. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself, approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied and he said, I will speak to this people and they having ears they will not hear and they having eyes they will not see. Jesus came along and he taught in parables. Why did Jesus teach in parables? It was an act of mercy to this generation that he taught in parables. Uh, so that these people that were listening to him only, I'm preaching on deep, call it to deep. Only those that had, that were spiritual. Only those that had a spiritual hunger in their heart would reach into the realm of the parables that he spoke. And they would 
discern. Now listen to me closely tonight. They would discern by the Spirit of God what the gospel truth was. That's why people can come to church and sit on a pew and never get what God intends for them to have. Because they are not spiritual. They do not discern spiritually. They are not deep. And I don't have time to get into this tonight. But let me say this in passing. There was the parables that Jesus gave of the four types of soils. Was it four types of soils? I believe it was four types of soil. And uh, the, the soil that the seed which was the Word of God uh, fell upon. Some of it was stony ground. And it, 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 it sprung up. And it was joyful for a season. But it could not withstand because the heart would not be submitted to the will of God. I want to tell you something. The will of God is important in our life. And I'm not going to speak on the will of God tonight, but I want to tell you something. You can set your will higher than God's will. Listen to me, young people. You can set your will higher than God's will. And that's exactly what Saul did. And, and Samuel came to Saul and he said, he said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Now what is stubbornness? Stubbornness is refusing to submit your will to God. And God called it idolatry. You've got your will higher than God's will in your life. Do not leave it there because Ezekiel the 14th chapter the Bible spoke to Ezekiel and he said son of man he said go speak to these people and say because they would not tear down their idols and because they would not take the iniquity of stumbling out of their life he said when I come to them I am going to speak to them according to their idols you can leave your will escalated above God's will so long that it become an idol and after a while if you don't submit Submit it to God. God said, I'll answer you according to your will. When that happens, that's what we call reprobation. 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. The tenth verse says, With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not a love for the truth. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. God said, I'll answer them according to their will. The preacher will get up, and they'll take his message to say, Well, it's the will of God that I do this. It's just all right for me to do what I'm doing right now. I heard the preacher say it. Why? Because God answered you according to your will. The Bible says search the scriptures search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me I want to tell you something the will of God will not take you contrary to the testimony of Jesus Christ in your life I don't know how I got on that I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about spiritual things. The, the, the discerning of things that are spiritual. And Jesus taught in parables, so only those people that hunger for spiritual things would discern the Spirit 
in the spirit what he was saying. The rest of the people that just wanted to be entertained and fed and pampered, they enjoyed the loaves and fishes and had a great time listening to what they, they called the stories of Jesus. That remember, there were thousands of people that come to hear Jesus. There were thousands of them that come to hear Jesus. Now, do I have to yell and scream and spit for you think I'm anointed? And, uh, man, I mean, Jesus had a program. He had a program. I'm sure that what Jesus did was first class. It's the, that's the motto of our church in Pueblo. First class church serving a first class God. Praise God. And, uh, and, and I can guarantee you that the program that Jesus had was first class. I don't think Jesus was a retardo. I, I do, I want you to know, I think Jesus was very well taught. I think Jesus was very well read as a human. I don't believe that he was just a lazy human that depended on the Holy Ghost to show him everything. And, and when I say that, I say that carefully because you, you can get overbalanced either way. I mean, you can get so spiritual, you don't, yeah. that's kind of crude, I won't say that. You can spiritualize toilet paper. You can find some spiritual ramification. And then on the other hand, you can, you can be so carnal that you can never tell. When God is trying to talk to you. And there has to be a balance. Where does that balance come from? That balance comes from the person that walks with God. And walking with God is a lifetime experience. Many times we young people, we look at older people and we say, Well, I wish I was like that. Well, remember, they've been doing that for 65 years. That's why they're like that. And, you know, this church is into, what, the third generation of this church now. And some of the younger ones, they see what God has done for mom and dad, but some of the younger ones don't realize what God has done for mom and dad because the younger ones have been raised in the church. And it's easy to take for granted the revelations that mom and dad got from God and to just just assume that they are right. But I want to tell you something, my friend and neighbor and fellow Roman citizens or, or whatever. There will come a time, young man and young lady, when you will be out on your own. And those holiness standards that you did because mama made you do them, they will be put to the test to see if you know why mama and daddy made you do what they made you do. You see, young lady and young man, you didn't come out of the world like mommy and daddy come out of the world. You were raised with a dress on. 
You were raised and never put a scissor in your hair that mama knew about. You were raised without wearing shorts and all that kind of stuff. You were raised without a television in your home. I'm telling you what. The world would consider us oddballs today. You lived in a protected environment. But I want to tell you something. You didn't know the battles that mom and daddy fought with devils as they established that security that you felt growing up. And I'm afraid that we in the Pentecostal movement sometimes may protect our children too much. And I have no children, so I'm careful as I say this. But I can speak firsthand as a fifth generation Pentecost. My great great aunt, my great grandma, my grandma, my dad, myself, fourth generation. And I want to tell you young people something. There's going to come a day. When the devil is going to come to you and say, why do you believe in one God? Can you show me in the Bible that there's one God? Can you show me in the Scripture? Name me chapter and verse where one night you were in the deep things of God and you reached into the realm of the Holy Ghost and said, I got it, just like Peter did in Matthew 16. I know who you are. Where you reach past the realm of the carnal and into the deep things of God and you got a hold of something to where that you will never let it go. We are living in a time of extreme change. You see what's happening in the world. And I want to tell you something. I wish that I could say that all of this would happen and it would never affect the church. But I want you to also understand that not only are we a spiritual entity, but we are a social entity. And the world affects the church. And you are always gauging your decisions by two things that are important in your life. Should be three. The church, your family, and, and the peers that are around you in your group of, of, of functioning in the world. And it's real easy for you to go to Christian school all your life and just assume that all of these doctrines are true. But when you hit the workforce and when you face people that are full of the devil and you don't know how to react and, and you're, you're, just, you're just cast like a lamb to the slaughter and you don't know what's going on, somewhere in your life there better be some deep encounters with God. And not only just running the aisles, and that's important. you got to have that. And not only just shouting, that's important. you got to have that. But I'm telling you, somewhere crawled over in a corner somewhere with this book and tears running down your cheek and you're saying, God, I know my dad preaches this, but I haven't seen it in the Bible yet. Will you show me for myself? Will you open my eyes so that I may see? when you go to college and it's one thing now listen to me young people it's one thing to 
you've you got to know the way the enemy works on you. He comes out in a frontal attack. Bless God, Joe Oddball. What are, you, what are you doing? Hey, that don't bother me a bit. But I want to tell you the devil is very subtle. He wants to get you involved emotionally with the world. Everybody thinks you're cool. You are the Mr. Cheese. You are the Mrs. Cheese. You are it. And everybody really thinks that you are just the best thing since cheese. And all of these things. And, and as, your, as your social connections grow. And as these people put input into your life. How do you react emotionally? What do you do? I want to tell you one of the most admirable men in the Bible is Moses. When he was raised in the courts of Egypt. But somewhere Moses got something from God. And after he had all of the training that they could give him. And that was all intentional. It was by God. God knew that he wasn't going to. He, he couldn't use a dingbat to lead five million slaves out of bondage. He needed somebody that had something. But after Moses got everything that Egypt had. He had the spiritual acuity to decipher out those things that were pagan. And those things that could not be used of Egypt. And to reach in and to grab the things that could be used in the ambition of the calling of God in his life. He had that acuity. How did he get that acuity? I don't know how he got that acuity. But I want to tell you something. God had his hand on Moses. And that's exactly how it is with those that understand deep things. They have, they, they have, they have more than acuity. They have perspicuity that reaches in with determination. And it gets a hold of whatever that is that God is speaking. And they have, they have the ability for that to take root in their life. I want to tell you sometimes the thought and some people thought that the doctrines of Jesus became so dogmatic that those that just like to be entertained became angry to think that he would dare to talk to them. John the 6th chapter in the 60th verse Many therefore of his disciples what is a disciple? Somebody that disciplines himself to become like you. Huh? And the root word to disciple is, or the root word to discipline is disciple, isn't it? Many of those that said, I want to be like Jesus. Man, this guy's cool. I want to be like him. You know, they were aping the way he walked. They were aping the way he preached. They were mimicking the way that he prayed. It's in the Bible. Jesus, how do you pray? And Jesus said, well, I pray like this. So they started praying like that. They got power when they started praying like that too. Because they come back all excited and said, Jesus, we were casting out devils and the lame was healed. And Jesus started shouting and saying, well, that's what's supposed to happen. There... They were being disciples. They were imitating their master. They disciplined their life to be like him. That's what being a disciple is. 
But his doctrine became so dogmatic that many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Listen to what they said. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? He that hath ear, let him hear what the Spirit hath to say to the churches. He that hath ear. I'm telling you there's two kinds of ears. There's the carnal ear and then there's the ear that hears the things of God. Many times I've been sitting there in a day just looking around counting the people in church or picking my nose or, or seeing if brother so and so is here or sister so and so is here and all of a sudden my brain tells me did you hear what that guy just said? Did you hear? It wasn't that guy who was the Holy Ghost. What Now what is he saying as he's saying that? I'm not going to get into this tonight, but I want to ask you something. Can somebody lose the Holy Ghost? Now some of you think before you say something. When a person is born, how do they get unborn? Now, I'm just using that as an example for something. I don't care what you think. There are some things about God's kingdom that you better have checked out in your life. You say, well, that's not important. It is important. Now, there are some things that are vain babblings and genealogies and the Bible says get that out of your life but I want to ask you something are you a son of God or are you not a son of God and do you know what the implications of being a son of God is and do you know the privileges of being a son of God and do you know the authority that you receive when you become a son of God and more than that listen to me church do you know the inheritance that you have when you become a son of God now let me ask you, are you living like a son of God? Or maybe you're living beneath your privileges. Maybe you're living and you are not using the authority that God gave you. I'm telling you we're living in the last days. It's time for apostolic power to be demonstrated in this world. I'm telling you, Brother Elder, don't have to lay hands on people. You can lay hands on people and they'll get healed. You can lay hands on people and they'll receive their sight. You can lay hands on people and they'll get the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to ask you something. Do you think that God's going to give this kind of inheritance to some irresponsible kid that won't pay attention to what he's trying to tell them? All they want to do is read Louis Lamar's and Harlequin romances. Now I've read them both. The Harlequins you can have. Ever since old Louie died, I can't get interested in him anymore. 
Um, is it a sin? Well, I'll let the Holy Ghost talk to you about that. I'm not dealing with that tonight. I'm dealing with the deep things of God. Deep calleth to deep. Listen, those that discerned things that He said in the Spirit could not stay away from Him. Listen. When Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples murmured, 61 of John 6, at it, He said unto them, Doth this offend you? Why is it that people come to church? Is it a process? That kid didn't like my preaching so much, made him puke. <laughs> Sorry, fella, I'll try to do better next time. Need to laugh, don't we? How many of you are interested in the deep things of God? The, the process that, that, that God used here. Here are these people. Now, I don't have time to get into the whole story. But the story was, Jesus said, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be my disciple. They looked at one another and said, Man, this guy is so radical, he's getting into cannibalism. Um, no thank you. Hadn't had a piece of flesh lately. Don't believe I'll drink a cup of blood. And do you know the Catholics practice that? The Catholics practice cannibalism. Do they actually pour blood in there? No, but they would if they could get away with it. They can't find Jesus' blood, so they use wine. And they can't find his flesh, so they use bread. But I want to tell you, they, they actually tell you that this is not symbolic. This is not done in remembrance. This is the actual flesh and the actual blood of Jesus Christ. That's what they tell you. Now, we don't have Eucharist around here. We have communion. Some of you all look like you're learning something. Well, that's what church is supposed to be about. And so these people are looking at him and said, Don't believe a will. Now do you think that Peter was jumping up and down when he said, and, and Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Will you also leave me? It's right here. I don't have time to read it. I guarantee you Peter wasn't jumping up and down and saying, Oh no, Lord, we don't want to leave you. Oh no, where else would we go? No, I want to tell you, that was not Peter's attitude. Peter didn't like it any more than the rest of them liked it. He didn't like that doctrine. It was a hard saying. It was offensive to carnality. But Peter got a hold of something. And he said, I want to tell you, and this is Elder's translation, but he said, I want to tell you something. I don't like this blood and this flesh business, but I want to tell you something. I ain't never been around anybody like you, and there's something about you. There is something that I just cannot get away from. Something that reached out to me that day that Jesus told him, throw down your nets and follow me. 
something happened to Peter. He got a, there was some depth in that man. There was talent that could be used of God. I want to tell you something. God can't use shallow people. That's why shallow people can't be saved. Deep calleth to deep. How do you get deep? It comes out of many things, and I don't have time to get into that tonight, but I want to tell you, it comes out of discipline. It comes out of hunger. It comes out of desire. It comes out of, it comes out of, uh, out of, of directing your desire. Those things, those that discern deep things could not stay away. Where there is fertile ground, the seed took root and they did not leave him why do people come in the church last two months and they're gone the deep calleth the deep the parable John 66 and 67 then said Jesus to the twelve will you also go away then Simon Peter answered him said Lord to whom would we go thou hast the words of eternal life Peter recognized one thing I don't like everything you're preaching, Lord. It's not the best thing that I ever heard. But I want to tell you, there is something I do recognize. That if I'm going to live forever, I've got to stick around you. I just got to do what you say. I may not understand it, but I want to tell you something. There's something about it. I'm, I'm, I'm saying something tonight, and, I, and probably many of the things that I'm trying to say, you can't say in the human vernacular. You've got to get in the spirit. But I want to tell you something. If you'll listen to me tonight, if you'll listen to the Holy Ghost even more than me, you can find out that God has some things for you. And, and not everything that God has are you going to understand. And not everything that God does in your life are you going to understand. And you're going to wrestle with your attitude. And you're going to wrestle with temptation. And you're going to wrestle with personalities in the church but I want to tell you there's only one way to be saved and that's to be in the body of Christ and where else can I go thou alone has the key to eternity we live in a shallow world you ain't done in 30 minutes get out of here I got a Coca-Cola commercial coming on Some people go to church like they go to McDonald's. I have two quarter pounders of cheese, large order of fries and a Coke and do it in five minutes. I got to be back to work in ten. Come in the church. All right, God. I need a pay raise this week. I need a new car this week. I need you to get rid of all of my bills that I run up on my credit cards for Christmas. Boy, I'm preaching now, aren't I? Need you to take care of all of this this week, God, and do it in 20 minutes because I have a party. All of my relatives are here and they're fixing to go back to Indiana. So hurry up and do it, God, because i got to get out of this church and get it done. Uh-uh. That ain't how it's going to be if you're going to be in the things of God. The Bible says deep calleth unto deep. Deep calleth unto deep. Once that people have a hunger for God, come in contact with that God. Now listen. Once people that have a hunger for God come in contact with that God, even when He gives us directions that we don't like, 
He's still following. Ah. I don't have time to turn to all these scriptures. Brother Nathan, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 14. Once that people have a hunger for God, come in contact with that God, even when He gives us directions that we don't like, we still follow Him. Read for me, son. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for him that love him. Now read that again. But as it is written, Jesus spoke in parables that seeing they would see not. Read on. And hearing they would hear not. Lest their heart be submitted to him, did Jesus say it? And they repent and be converted. Now why did not Jesus want them to see and to hear and be converted? Why did he not want them to? Because when you see and you hear and are converted then the responsibility of what you see and what you heard and what you were convicted to do lies with you. And when you stand before God on judgment day, God is going to judge you for what you seen and for what you heard and what He revealed to you. You say, then that means that somebody that's not saved will not go to hell. No, they will go to hell. But I want to tell you something. The punishment that they have in hell will not be, it will be minute. It will be minuscule. It will be microscopic. And every other adjective that I can think of uh, compared to the punishment at that hell will be for a backslider or for a lukewarm saint uh, that's sat on a pew uh, and God revealed to them and they saw and they heard and they did not respond I tell you sometimes we take now that's Bible somebody said there's degrees of punishment in hell yeah Jesus said to him that knew to do good and did it that not shall be beaten with many stripes he that knoweth not and did it not shall be beaten with few stripes Jesus said that I didn't Hebrews, the second chapter says, For we ought to give the mournest heed by listening to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the words of angels were steadfast, and every transgression received a just recompense of reward. I'm quoting from the Bible. A just recompense of reward. You will be judged according but to what you know and what you hear. I want to tell you, that's why somebody can go to hell and be lost for eternity. Because one New York second in the power of God's revelation is all it takes to change your life for eternity 
all it takes is a spiritual unfolding of the mind. I'm telling you, having the Holy Ghost is more than just patty caking for Jesus and running the aisles. Something happens to you. Something happens to your spirit. Something happens to this church when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It, it, it disturbs me, and I've been guilty of this myself. How? Because we are raised so casually around people that we take it for granted that this is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. Every member in this body is important to Christ. You don't think so? You brother Jesse? Are you brother Jesse? Brother Jesse, step up here and cut your finger off for us, please. You don't think it hurt? I mean that little finger? You, you think it's important? Well, take your tiny toe off, of course. I want to tell you how powerful the body of Christ is. You know why Paul preached on the body of Christ more? Over 13 times in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul mentioned in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, he is a new creature. Did you know that when the Apostle Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus and he cried out, Who else we submit to other forms? I'm telling you that God people that's in my church Jesus said I am he whom thou persecutest how did Paul persecute Jesus if he was in heaven he persecuted Jesus because he was persecuting his body he come against the body of Christ I don't have time to say this tonight but the Bible says every other sin is outside of the body except for the sin of immorality that's why God became so angry at Israel when they went, when they went a whoring after other gods it's because they submitted the body of Christ to other forms. That's why the church today has lost its apostolic power. Because we submit to other forms. I'm telling you that God wants to have a revival in this last day. But to do it... Gotta get a hold of deep things. Read on, Nathan. Now we always use this. Some little sister in church will get up and say, "Oh, I thank the Lord that I have not seen, nor ear hath heard, neither hath it entered the heart of the man what lies in store in heaven." Now, if you want to use it that way, I don't care. You can't. You do what you want to do. But that ain't what it means. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about right now. In the spirit. The deep things of God. Neither hath it entered into the hearts of man. What is in store for them. Read on. But God hath what? 
God revealed the power of his church to the world. I didn't see it. How did it happen? You tell me. How did it happen? You tell me how a bunch of ignorant fishermen could reach the known world and do apostolic miracles and do all kinds of stuff. I'll tell you how. Because God hath revealed it. God hath revealed it. He took the foolish things to confound the wise. The things of God may not always seem kosher with the rest of the world, but it works. I said it works. I said it works. Don't mess with the church's holiness standards. Don't mess with the church doctrine. Don't mess with this gospel. It'll work. It'll work. It'll work. I've been through it. I got out of this church. Some of my closest friends. There are new stuff that wasn't right. Did you do everything that was right, Brother Elder? No, still don't. I want to tell you something. I'm trying. Sit in the motel room with them and say, Oh, Elder, it's all right. I'd stand on the wall and look at them and say, It ain't all right. They were in the ministry, too. Did you feel lonely? Yeah, I felt lonely. Did you feel left out? Yeah, I felt left out. But I want to tell you something. And I still feel this way tonight. I know with all of my failures and my inhibitions and my fears and all of the times that I've stumbled before God. Nevertheless, I've got a Moses complex. I've got a Messiah complex. I've got a feeling that we're living in the greatest hour that the church has ever lived in. Do you know that the, 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 uh, the Department of Sociology at Harvard and Yale or some of those big schools have made the declaration that by the year of 2000 that there will only be two categories of Christendom in the world that will be Catholicism and Pentecostalism. I'm telling you, you're sitting right here and you don't even understand that the greatest day of the church is right in our very lap. People are starting to see that Bible is being fulfilled. In the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I'm telling you something, church. We need to live revival. We need to sleep revival. We need to pray revival. We need to talk revival. We need to fast revival. We need to believe revival. We need to submit ourselves. God has a revival for this church. You say, people don't want to hear it. I'm telling you, they do want to hear it. And the devil wants us to sit down and be intimidated and let the Trinitarian Pentecostals get a hold of them and give them a fake snake when Moses has the real thing. Hey, Moses, throw down your rod, Moses. You say, no, they can do it too. Uh-huh. The real thing will eat their thing up. They'll come in this church. They'll feel the power of God. If they're hungry, they'll get the real thing 
You go to witness and to them and say, well, they do that at our church too. And the devil wants you to feel intimidated. Don't get intimidated. Just say, come on out. Come on out. Come on out. Because if they're really hungry, when they get in the real thing, I said when they get in the real thing, you're not going to stop them. They'll be like Peter. They'll say, I don't like everything I see, but I want to tell you something. There's something in here. There's something in here. There's something in here. Is it hard? I want to tell you young people something. It's hard. It's lonely. You'll fight every devil in hell. You'll fight every temptation. I'm telling you the devil will tell you stuff about yourself that you've never thought before. But listen to Brother Elder. I know what I'm saying. The more he fights, the more you get on your knees and stay before God. The reason why he's fighting is because he knows if these people get a hold of this, I'm lost. If these people get a hold of this, I ain't got a chance. Some of you are worried. I'm in the Holy Ghost. Brother Elder, what about the skeletons in my closet? What about the failures of my life? I'm going to tell you something, young person. Moses was a murderer. Listen to me. Moses was a murderer. Abraham was a liar. Isaac was a thief and a coward. Jacob was a thief. Need I go on? David was an adulterer. You'll not find one person that God ever used. Rahab was a whore, but she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. It don't matter where you come from. I tell you what matters if you get a hold of what God has for you. If you get a hold of being a son of God. Read on, Brother Nathan. They're given to us by the by the Spirit. My God, every day that I pray, I pray, God, baptize this city with the Holy Ghost. Sometimes we're intimidated because the church world comes to us and says, I've got the Holy Ghost. We like to sit around and say, I don't believe they got it. Huh? You gonna start playing God now? Well, they didn't get it at our church. Hey, in the last day, say, God, I pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. But they're not living holy. I want to tell you something. Neither was I before I saw it was right. But if they got the real Holy Ghost, and if there's some depth in their life, you mark my words. You'll see it. I was teaching a Bible study just recently. You need to get into home Bible studies. They work. Some of you, God's you're getting robbed. The Lord ain't. The devil's robbing you of a blessing by teaching home Bible studies. 
There's some things that are needed for home Bible studies. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be faithful. Can't run around all over the place and cancel it all the time. You've got to be faithful. Some of you, you've started and you've met, you've met some of those failures. But I want to tell you, one of the most, one of the most blessed things of my life, and I've taught them for as long as six months. There's supposed to be ten lessons. I tell you how you teach one. Get the manual. Read the manual about three times real good and then throw it away and follow the Holy Ghost. Now that's, that's wise advice. I said read the manual real good. I didn't say throw it away first. I said read it real good three times. Ingest it real good. I don't mean just super read it on your lunch break. I mean read it real good three times and then throw it away and let the Holy Ghost use you. Supposed to be ten lessons. I had one. Well, I got one that I've been teaching for a year and a half. We're still teaching it, but they're in the church now. They're they're full of the Holy Ghost. They're living for God. Had another one that I taught for six months. When I first started teaching, the man was vehement against the Holy Ghost. The last time I was there, one of the few, one of the last times that I was there, he had his sister over there, and she was. She believed the same doctrine that he did. And she was saying, oh, but you don't have to speak in tongues. And he was, well, yes, you do. It's in the Bible. It's right here. And he was showing her. About my Lord, six months ago, you was telling me the same thing. you got to be impersonal about it. When they want to argue with you. When you know you're right. Don't test for them. Just say, what about this scripture here? And what and how do you explain this scripture here? And they'll probably tell you something that's absolutely cock and bull. And you can just get red in the face and say, That's not it, you dingbat! Have you done that, Brother Elder? Yeah, I've done that. Did they get one to God? No, they didn't get one to God. I got through out of their house. Don't fuss with them. That's the word of God they're fussing with. If they're really hungry, they'll ingest it. And the next time you come back, it'll be different. I don't know why I'm on this. Read on, Brother Nathan. For the Spirit searcheth for the Spirit. My God. God, teach us. And I'm preaching to myself right now. God, teach me. How to follow the Holy Ghost. It is so important to follow the Holy Ghost. The Spirit searcheth. What? The Spirit searcheth the deep things of God. When you deal with somebody carnally face to face, there's a mask that you can't get past. But if you'll get the deep things of God, it'll be like Jesus standing there saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. And Peter 
everything in his flesh is saying, get me out of here. This guy is nuts. I don't want to be known with a guy that's nuts. But because Jesus knew the things of the Spirit, he already had ties to the Spirit of Peter. And while his flesh was saying, get me out of here, Peter's spirit was saying, where else can I go? Where else can I go? Where else can I go? There's something about this man. There's something about this Jesus. There was a time that some soldiers went down to arrest Jesus. Herod sent them down there to arrest him. They got down there. Here they go. We're going to get him. The spirit and the deep things of God. We're going to get him, brother Scott. We're going to get him. Here they come in there with their swords. And Jesus is just sitting there real calm and he's just teaching. And there's thousands of people around him. And these soldiers get in there. And on their way, all of a sudden, they hear what he's saying. And all of a sudden, for some reason, they lose their ambition to get him. And they just stand there mesmerized by what he's saying. And after he's done, he walks off in the wilderness and they go back to the court. And Herod said, did you get him? He said, did we get who? What? Did you arrest the guy that I sent you after? He said, no. Well, why on the earth didn't you arrest him? And they said, never a man speak like this man. There never was a man that could touch me. He, there's something about the deep things of God. There's something, church, if we can get a hold of it, this city ain't got a chance. I said if we can get a hold of it, this city ain't got a chance. Revival is coming. Read on, Brother Nathan. For what man knoweth the things of a man? Save the spirit of him which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man. Now, do you understand what he's saying here? I cannot totally understand brother Gary unless I have brother Gary's spirit I can do my best to relate with him and empathize with him but I don't understand him in the best of his communication I don't understand him only he knows and the only reason why he does know is by his spirit the Bible says the spirit of a man is a candle of God. And I can't preach all this tonight. My God, what I'm saying right now is even more than my mental mind can, can understand. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. Why? Because it is by that spirit that that man knows himself. And neither can a man know God except by the spirit that's why the Bible said in Romans chapter 8, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he has none of his. You can't tell me that you can understand and know Jesus. And the Bible says without his Spirit, you are in Christ. You cannot call him Christ without the Spirit of Christ. But there's no way you can understand him unless you're in the Holy Ghost. You'll never know his vision. You'll never know his power. You'll never know his authority unless you understand his Spirit. The deep things of God. Read on, Brother Nathan. 
we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us. Where does it say for the carnal man cannot discern this? But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit. For it is totally stupid to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go to the church and pray. My God, I could be laying in this bed. And here he is trying to make me feel guilty about going to pray. Slipped that one in, didn't I? <laughs> that was an uppercut. You stepped into that one. Um, here goes Brother Elder again. He gets up here and he preaches. Now, can I just preach till I get down? I'll have a watch. I don't know when I started. Um, here's Brother Elder. He's always saying, if you don't pray, you can't live for God. How ridiculous. I've been in the church for years, and I don't pray every day. Who does he think he is? That whippersnapper. I've been living for God longer than he's born. That they're foolish. Foolish. Fast. Well, I recently, I just read an article, I really did, where a guy was saying that it's unhealthy for us to fast. And us, us ignorant Christians here, we've been fasting for thousands of years. And all of a sudden, medical science has told us that we don't need to fast anymore. These dumb, ignorant Christians. Foolishness. But God hath chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. Those dumb women wearing their hair in a bun like that all the time. Cutting up their hair license to cut hair that they paid several thousand dollars for. How dumb can you get? My Lord, she could be making thousands of dollars now. Ignorant. in Sunday school class. Come on now. Itty bitty baby. Come on. Devil's pulled that over on some of you men. I ain't getting involved in that. I'm macho tough. I don't sing in the choir, bless God. See my muscles? Look at them muscles. Bless God, that's sissy stuff to sing in the choir. Well, listen to my voice. Ah. <laughs> I done. I sound like a pastor now, don't I? I don't have time to get down there to choir practice. Bless God, I got a hot racquetball game going here. 
Foolish. Foolish. Things of God are foolish. One of the most effective tools that I've ever seen God use is a choir that's anointed by Him. Other things, and you know I can't hit everything tonight, but how the devil twists our attitude to see things of God. <laughs> pay my tithes, my Lord and my God. I can't pay my tithes. I can barely pay my bills. Pay every other bill, and if I got some money left, I'll put it in the tithe envelope and put it in the offering. Malachi says, will a man rob God? What's the first thing that comes out of your check? What's the first check you write? And offering. Mm -hmm. Will a man rob God? And you say, how have we robbed him? Did Malachi just say tithes? No. He said in tithing and offering. First thing I write out of my check every week is my tithing. And the second check I write is my offering. Now what you want to write is the offering. You can write a quarter if that's all you want. If that's all the better that Jesus has been to you, then go ahead and give your quarter. Is that how you get gas? You need a quarter's worth? We'll just get you a quarter's worth. It's foolish. It's foolish. Brother Allen, what you're saying right now is foolish. Because the carnal man. Read, Brother Nathan. Did you lose my place? My God, what am I going to do about you, son? Neither can he know them. Because what? They are spiritually discerned. It takes an Abraham to know spiritual things of faith. It takes an Abraham to just step out when everybody's saying, no, 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 you're going to ruin your life, son. You're going to ruin your career. And Abraham says, leave me alone. I saw something. I don't totally understand what I see, but I saw something. Why can't he see him? Because he's carnal. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. The Greek word here for natural is suchikos. It refers to the man who is governed only by his environment, by his natural animal instincts, by his fallen atomic nature, by circumstances that arise during the course of living, it is the man who is in Adam and estranges himself from God because his spirit has not been quickened by the Holy Ghost. That word quicken means made alive by the Holy Ghost. Why are some people dead? Because the only way they can live is by the things that 
govern them in their environment. Their bills control their emotion. Their bills control their mind. Their bills control everything about them. In fact, their bills control them because they keep on making them. They can't stop making them. And that comes from their natural instinct. Their animal instincts. The sensual things. You girls, be careful when some guy comes waking at you and says, Oh, how good looking you are. If he's making you feel good naturally, check out his spiritual life. Don't be governed by your natural instincts. But it makes me feel good. I know it makes you feel good. It makes me feel good too. But that's just another sign that I'm an Adam. And I'm not an Adam anymore. I died out to Adam. I'm not the first man Adam. I'm the second man Adam. Which has made a quickening spirit. The power of the Holy Ghost. My God, I hope you're getting what the Holy Ghost is trying to say to us tonight. to make a study on the first man Adam and the second man Adam. That's your assignment this week, class. It is the man who is an Adam that estranges himself from God. Ezekiel the 47th chapter 3 through 5, quickly. I must close. What time is it? Is it 10 o'clock? My watch says 8.35. Y'all's wrong. I'm right. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm quitting. Read, Brother Nathan. Hey, no wonder. I kept looking at this and saying, man, it sure is 8 late around here. I'm sorry. Ezekiel. And when the man that had the line, what is the line? It's the measuring. When the man had the line in his hand... He went forth eastward. He measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me through the waters. And the waters were to the ankles. And he measured out a thousand more. And brought me through the waters. Here's a sign of how Jesus brings people. Now it's to the knees. God, are you sure? I've never swam before. The Lord is leading you by the hand saying, come on. Well, God, I've never prayed like this before. Why are you telling me to pray like this? Just keep praying like that, son. I'm going to get on one, and this is really hard to get on, but I want to tell you something. You need to change the way you're thinking. That's the hardest thing in the world to do. Some of you are so down on yourself. I'm no good. I ain't nothing. I'm going to tell you something. Do you think that Jesus went to Calvary and died for nothing? Huh? Did He go to Calvary and die for nothing? Then you're something in His eyes. Say, so that's, that's that junk to preaching today. Uh-uh. I know who I am. I know who I am naturally, but I also know the inheritance that Jesus made available to me. And I can be a son of God. And I want to tell you something. A son of God ain't nothing. A son of God is a son of God. Some of you make a mistake and all you want to get around is say, I ain't nothing. I ain't nothing. I can't do anything right.
Come on. Get up. That's the way a little kid acts. I said, that's the way a little kid acts. Grow up. Say, all right, I was dumb. I made a mistake. But I don't have to stay dumb. Hey, read on. Come a little deeper with me, son. Water was up to the waist now. Read on. Afterward, he measured a thousand. And it was a river. I want to tell you, it's even deeper than that. God will bring a church through this stage. Church has the ability to become stagnant and to become a Laodicean church. Our God will put a church in the current of revival where every service somebody's getting the Holy Ghost. Matthew, the fifth chapter, the fourth verse. Sister Elder, come to the organ, please. Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep. That was where the fish were. Hey, church, did you hear what Jesus said to Peter? Peter was fishing in shallow water, and Jesus said, launch out into the deep. The fish are in the deep. The fish are in the deep. The fish are in the deep. Some of you are wondering why you can't be a soul winner. Hey, some of you young people, take stock on your life. Have you won a soul to God? I want to ask you young people something. Do other people look at you? I need to say this carefully because it's real easy for young people to get caught up in themselves. But I'm going to ask you something. Do you have the discipline and the responsibility in your life to carry through on things that you have set as goals in your life? I ask you young men something. Do you have some goals in your life? Where are you going this year, son? What are you going to do with your life this year, son? I'm telling you something, Michael. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now, son. God didn't call you to just sit there and not know what is the deal with your life. I'm in the Holy Ghost, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, but you've been slapped around by the devil all your life, and God has finally put his hand on you, son, and he's saying, Michael, Michael, listen to me. If you'll set some goals in your life, if you'll establish some roots, I'll do something with you. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You're not going to get it eating Cheerios and reading your book all the time. But somewhere, you're going to grab yourself when you don't want to. And you're going to say, God, I'm fighting every devil in hell. But bless God, if I have to charge hell with a bucket of water, I'm going to see what you want done. As long as we live our shallow lives in God, we can't be what God wants us to be. We can blame it on God all we want to. It ain't God's fault. Somewhere 
we've got to get a hold of ourselves and say, God, you love me more than this. God, you didn't die so that I could live in this condition all my life. My God, can you imagine what Jesus did at Calvary? If that's not deep, I don't know what is deep. In Luke 6 and 45, the man dug deep to establish his foundation. The Bible says, and he that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a wise man which dug deep, which dug deep. Some of you listen to me. You're feeling the icy fingers of loneliness because you've made some commitments to God that some of your friends are making fun of you about. I'm telling you, son, that's part of the making of a leader. The insecurity. God, I'm out here all by myself. I don't even know where I'm going. You've got a vision for God, and in the infancy of that vision, it's so inspiring. But in the making of the man, Joseph, you're in prison now. The vision has been 12 years ago, and the devil's trying to steal your vision. And he's saying, Joseph, give it up, son. You're going to live in this prison all your life. But Joseph is saying, God, God, you gave me this vision. John 4.11 The well is deep. The woman had no desire to draw water like other women did. Listen to me. Listen to me, young lady. This woman was a harlot. It's the story of the woman at the well, young lady. This woman, all her life, she didn't want to indulge herself in the heartache of relationship. And that's what's going on in the world today, the shallowness of romance. Oh, he's so cute. And you just flirt, you're shallow flirting. But I want to tell you something. The deep meaning of relationship is pain. And sometimes you want to look at one another and say, I don't even want to see you again because that's all part of relationship. It's all part of establishing something that is deep. But Jesus looked at this woman and he said, Woman, she said, Master, the well is deep and I've never wanted to do anything deep in my life. Just shallow flirtations. That's what she come to the well for in the first place was to find another man. Her whole life was comprised 
of no strings attached relationship, but something in Jesus reached out to this woman at the well, and he said, Lady, if you had the water that I'm talking about, you would never be thirsty again. It is a well in you springing up into everlasting life. Lady, there's a love that you can have that the world can't even come close to giving to you. Every person that God ever used on a greatly sustained basis always somewhere in their lives have encountered God in tremendously deep experiences that totally radically change their lives Jacob Isaiah Paul Jesus during the time when you're going through that process you go through tremendous rejection by your peers this causes a lot of self-introspection and it's an open door to self-intimidation and to low self-esteem and the devil's already got some of you right there I'm in the Holy Ghost right now son I'm in the Holy Ghost right now young lady you're afraid to make that commitment you're scared of life you're scared of the commitment of life you're scared to just step out and make that decision and you use the excuse well I don't know if it's the will of God or not I want to tell you something I want to tell you the will of God is you to make up your mind get your mind made up and set that goal out in front of you and say this is what I'm going to do when you get there you may find out that the will of God wasn't that but at least you can say well that's a victory that I had in my life I'm young enough that I can find the will of God loneliness but you decide to dig and make that foundation Make that foundation. Make that foundation. I want to tell you something in this time of loneliness. In this time of loneliness. If you go somewhere with Jesus, he'll go with you. My wife bought me a plaque for Christmas. It means so much to me in my life. It says the man that walks with God always gets to his destination. The man that walks with God always gets to his destination. Let's stand tonight. When these times come to you, you better make sure that they become landmarks in your life. Are they landmarks in your life? There's going to be times when the devil will come to you and try to steal those times away from you. Tell some of you something. I can remember the first encounter that I ever had with God. I was two years old. It was in Council Grove, Kansas, at the first camp meeting that the Kansas district ever had. 
Mark Hamby was preaching on eternity and a two-year-old boy crawled up in his mama's lap and began to cry and said, Mama, I'm scared I want to go home. And my mama began to tell me that I didn't have to be scared, that Jesus Christ loved me. I'm telling you something, that encounter got something to me. I can remember it tonight like it happened yesterday and it was 20, 26 years ago. I can remember another encounter with God that changed my life. It was right here, right between Jesse and Bill on my knees. One night as a 15-year-old boy fighting with the temptation of the world. And Brother Jack Terricker come to me and said, Son, God, give me a dream. And he told me the dream that God gave him. And it was at that night that on my knees for two hours, I was with my God. Did everything get all right that night? No, but I'm going to tell you something. Something happened to this boy. I want to tell you, that's really the night I got the Holy Ghost. That's the night I talked in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. I'll never forget it. And when the devil has come to me in the times of loneliness, and when you get into positions of leadership, the stress gets so great upon you. But those times with God that were deep, I can go back when the devil says, God ain't with you anymore. I can go back and I can say, it was right here, Satan. It was right here. I know God is with me. I know God gave me that promise. God told me I could have it. It was right here. God wants to do some things to some people tonight. I preach. I don't want to preach the Spirit off of you. But I'm telling you, you could be so much more. God wants you to be so much more. If you're here tonight, the Lord has talked to you. Could you make your way up here? Come on. Come to your Savior. Come in oh, your God. life into His tender love and care. In surface relation, what's total consecration? Give him your heart, your soul, let him have complete control. Come on, come on. God, oh God, oh God, oh 
God, I'm telling you, you're a son of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You are nobility. Can you understand? You are nobility. You are royalty. Don't live like a pauper when you're a prince or a princess. Don't live spiritually defunct when God wants to be so greater in your life, so much greater. when God wants to make an apostle out of you. Who cares about being a star? I want to be a disciple of Christ. God, I want to be an apostle. Halamakashatai Halamoriamahashandai